0: Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and welcome to Devotional. It is my prayer before every episode that this podcast will be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe to Devotional on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening in. This way, you will be notified every time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones so they too can be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome once again to Devotional. We are on lesson number five. and In this episode, we will look at Lessons for Wednesday, January 30th through February 1st. Yes, we will be doing three days in one. And and don't worry, it's not going to be a long episode. The reason I'm combining the three is usually I'm realizing Fridays kind of recapitulates everything we covered during the week. So, it's kind of pointless to do an entire episode on a day that just repeats everything we've learned or at least summarizes it. So, I'm just going to combine the lessons for Wednesday, January 30th through February 1st in this one last episode for this week. And we're looking at the fifth seal. And this fifth seal, we're done with the horses, by the way. There's no more horses. And there's a now, this is complete change. It's no more animals or colors. Now we switch to these individuals who have died for the gospel and as the lesson rightly points out these this is not trying to teach what happens uh, after we die It's symbolic language um just like in in genesis chapter four i'm going to turn there real quick um it's using symbolic language that is actually become a common idiom um so that uh, let me see where I at and Here it is. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. And this is when God confronts Cain about what he's done with his brother. He says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Uh, My blood doesn't scream, I scream. I I cry. Blood doesn't cry, blood doesn't speak, but yet here it is. Uh, God is using figurative language, uh, using idioms that we use that we can understand. And in the same manner, when he speaks about these souls that are under the altar speaking, it's just, I can use symbolic language to make a point. Um, it deals with something extremely uncomfortable as a Christian, as a human being in general. These individuals lack closure. These are people who never saw justice done during their lifetime. There has been no vindication of their characters, their motives before other people. And so they've they've never seen God vindicate. They've died uh, with the question, will people ever know? Will anyone ever know the real story behind this? And the answer is yes. Um, I thought about one individual, you know, John Huss. Um, He was a Catholic monk who, as I've said earlier, uh, when we're looking at the dark part of the church, you know, when you have black into death, during that time interim... The Spirit of God was still very much active and there were, were individuals, as, as I've said, that responded to the Spirit's promptings, the convictions in their hearts. And John Huss' evidence that this was so, because even though he was part of this church that had intentionally chosen to tourniquet the flow of God's word through its channels of communications, John Huss decided to open it up. And he stopped giving the Mass in Latin, a language that not one, no one in his Bohemian country could understand. And he began to give his sermons in common language. And people flocked to, to his chapel to hear, finally, I mean, people were starving for the Word of God. And this starvation, this uh, uh, lack of sufficient spiritual nourishment was because of the choices of the church, which is tragic that a church would choose, you know, outward show over substance, which is still something relevant. That's something that we need to wrestle with as churches today, as Christian churches. So, but you know what, John Huss, history, um, people that actually did know him, eventually began to write the reality of who he was. And in some sense, history vindicated John Huss. We, We know who he was, and we know what he was about. And there it is. You know, John Huss has been vindicated, but there are millions of unknowns, millions of unknowns who have died, and history has not made clear or clarify that they have been vindicated. And some have died thinking it's, it's meaningless. I'm just dying in will care. I'm uh, Thinking about those individuals, I remember seeing this video uh, by Pastor Sean Boonstra doing an evangelistic series, and And actually, the the video was shown in the news many times over, uh, of these uh, Egyptian Christians. I don't know if they were Coptic, I can't remember exactly, but they were all dressed in orange jumpsuits, and they were by an ocean, they were by a beach, uh, and they were forced to kneel on the sand, and I've never seen the video, and I don't want to see it, but Pastor Boonstrand and the newscasts mentioned how they were all decapitated because of being Christian. And you wonder, and you look at those those faces; they're all somber, and you could tell the pressure of the enemy. This is this is what you're willing to go through for Jesus. Just deny him and live. Get off of the red horse real quick and jump on the black horse. Deny your faith. Deny you know him. You can see the pressure in their faces, and yet the question: Will this even matter? Will anyone even care? And the answer in the book of revelation is a resounding yes and that's what the fifth seal is about the encouraging words that jesus knows the exact same phrase that he gives to every single one of the seven churches applies right here jesus knows remember what i said earlier about uh, that my one of my professors in undergrad dr leil caesar he would say because jesus knows you can sleep in peace at night just sleep in peace because jesus knows And the sleep of, you know, daily night rest also can apply to the sleep of death. You can die in peace, no matter what the outward world may think, or the accusations, or the things that have never gotten clarified. You can die in peace, because Jesus knows. Which transitions us into the sixth seal. They're both related. In the fifth seal, you have the oppressed, in the sixth, in the fifth seal, you have the oppressed. In the sixth seal, you have the oppressed source. Those that have done, those that have been lavished, those those have that have chosen to not get on the white horse that leads to the red horse. They have stayed on the dark horse, the black horse that leads to the horse of spiritual death. But of course, just because you're spiritually corrupt does not mean that you're not experiencing wealth and opulence, uh, which uh, tragically, unfortunately, is usually the case. Um, so in, in the sixth seal, you have these individuals, the powerful, is, is a pretty broad description of individuals. Individuals that have become oppressors or individuals that have become rejectors of the gospel. And in some way or another, probably the, the, the way of persecution and oppression and suffering to those individuals that have been martyred. Um, so now they, they, they this group gets confronted. This is the day of accountability and confrontation. And they're terrified. And when you look at the language, you know, it seems like God wants to intentionally scare them. But as you look at the rest of the book of Revelation and you revisit this passage, I ask myself, why are they so scared? They, they know that this is the day of accountability. They know that this is the day of confrontation. They are afraid of the face of God. That's what they're afraid of. That's what they're trying to hide from, from the face of God. Why? Well, the group asks a question that lets us know why they're hiding from the face of God. And and it's found in uh, Revelation 6, 17. And this is a monumental prophetic question. And actually, this is a question that affects every human being. The question is, if, if you and I were to face that day, if you and I right now in an instant and snapping of a finger could be transported to that moment in time when these individuals are facing or the face of God, they ask this question, who is able to stand? And it's not a question that they themselves ask then. It's a question that we could ask right now. In fact, again, I'm going to repeat it again you need to read the rest of the bible because when i read that f- question who is able to stand i immediately was reminded of a verse that i read many years ago in south dakota as i was uh, returning to the lord and having my heart and mind cleansed by his word and, and my heart restored um, by his word again and the spirit of god and i was going through the bible I was reminded by the Spirit of God of a verse that acts, asks the same question. Um, but it doesn't get unanswered because they ask the question, Who is able to stand but stop there? And I believe maybe that this question comes from Psalms 130. Psalms 130 says uh, in verse 3 If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, here it is, who could stand? It's the same question. Who is able to stand? Who can stand? And verse 3 of Psalms 130 says, If you, Lord, should mark iniquities. Another translation says, If you should count, keep track of. If you sat there with a clicker, click, 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 click. You know, who could stand before you? In Revelation chapter 6, verse 17, that's how it ends. And then it goes into answering. Who is able to stand? In Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, we get the answer, and I'm going to read it in this sequence. We're going to go back and forth comparing scripture with scripture. Revelation chapter 7, verse 14 tells us this is the answer to the question, Who is able to stand? I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white. In the blood of the Lamb. Now let's go back to Psalms 130. Verse 3, you already read it. O Lord, if you should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Verse 4, but there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you. These individuals are terrified to look at the face of God, and the question is. Who is able to stand? And the answer is those who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. And that idea of washing in the blood comes straight out of Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, when it describes Jesus, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Isn't that beautiful? That powerful to me this is the heart of the gospel and for me this is really the heart of why we um, are studying all of these passages we we have a, a an invitation a question when when i was in south dakota i met a group of christians and i was introduced to a hymn that i had never heard of before and it's in the form of a question and the question asks are you washed in the blood That's the name of the hymn. The person who wrote it, his name is Arthur Hoffman. And he also wrote this other hymn called Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. And I'm pretty sure you know that one. But I had never heard Are You Washed in the Blood. And this is how the lyrics goes. "Have Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions bright? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin, and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And the chorus repeats, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? It's a beautiful, um, complimentary message. When Revelation chapter 7 says that they have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, Revelation 1.5 doesn't say robe. It says that Jesus washed us. The washing of the robe is the washing of me. Jesus washes me. And the individuals who on that day will not be able to stand is because they have been refusing those choices that we spoke of yesterday they have been refusing of allowing the blood of Jesus to forgive them and cleanse them of their unrighteousness so that him asks me a question that him ask you a question have you been washed in the blood of the lamb Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional.